In the following live session recording, Maria Brannon will share P3, how to intentionally prepare to teach your class. Whether you teach a small or large group of kids, in this session the listener will hear from a veteran kids minister who shares the three parts of preparation, spiritual preparation, Bible study preparation, and teaching activity preparation. Let's join Maria now. Well, we've got a topic here, how to intentionally prepare to teach your class. Um, There are applications um, for all age groups that we teach at church, but most decidedly, we're going to have fun with the applications in kids' ministry for intentionally teaching our class. Um, Part of you probably know some of the research, LifeWay research, um, that they've done in the last um, couple of years with the Nothing Less Project, and one of the identifiers in that research that they found, which is probably no surprise to you just by virtue of the fact of you serving a local church, is the fact that now our average attending families are only at church twice a month. They would consider themselves regularly attending church. So some families, of course, we've got that are here more than once, you know, or twice a month. Others are here every single week. But then we've got so many that are just showing up once or twice a month. That may be Sunday morning or Wednesday night. That's there two times a month. Or maybe two on Sunday. And so, I, you know, that burdens my heart. And that means that we have to be super in, um, intentional with our kids and what we teach. Uh, on Sunday morning, on Wednesday night, the intentionality there. Vacation Bible School that many of us just did this summer. That's a happy year's with the church now. We're such a family. VBS has always been important, but even more so now because those 12 to 15 hours of VBS, depending on your schedule, that's equal in a half a year's worth of church for some of our families. So we have to now more than ever be intentional in how we prepare and how we teach our class. Um, So this is a topic that many of us probably have been teaching for a long time, you know, um, in our kids' ministry areas, and we may know what we need to do to prepare lessons. Sometimes it's just doing what we need to do to prepare that lesson. So there may not be a whole lot of surprises for you, um, but as I started preparing for this conference, I said, you know, I have my list of what I think we need to do, what teachers need to do, teachers that I work with at the church where I'm serving as a kids minister. Um, But I want to go and see what some of the experts say. So we're going to have a little fun today playing Family Feud. And what we may even let Kay get involved a little bit to even up the teams over here, unless we have a late arrival. And, and we've got our categories up there. Um, but but did want to um, go ahead and start off the, um, by saying many of us do have some challenges when it comes to preparing and teaching our class. So you have got sticky notes on your chair. You've got a pink one and you've got a yellow one. Your pink one, I need you to take just a moment before we start with our first category over here on the challenges and misperceptions to write down on the yellow piece, what is one of your challenge or what do you see is a challenge to Sunday school teachers or Wednesday night teachers at your church? What's one of the big challenges to preparing a lesson? And then on the pink one, what tip would you give to a brand new teacher on how to prepare your lesson? What would be your tip that you're giving to them? And then we're going to put them on the wall over here. So when you get through with your 
yellow sticky note. Um, I'm going to ask you to put it on that corner and your pink sticky notes over here um, on this wall. And there are no right or wrong answers, but I found that so many of us were all in the same camp <laughs> last week when we were doing this in Jonesboro. Uh, many of us are experiencing the same challenges um, there. So our, our pink ones over there are our tips, and our yellow over here are our challenges. Would you like me to put that on the board? All right. Okay. 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 All right. Let's see what we've got over here. Some of the challenge is the commitment. For, for some of our teachers, maybe because of work schedules, busy schedules, family life, you know, living in a sandwich generation, taking care of kids, taking care of parents, but for whatever reason, that commitment level. And then this one challenges because life is so full. We have so much on our plate, balancing a lot. Um, and so we're gonna look three before we start our, our Family Feud game on some of the challenges that I found um, in talking with churches over the years and kids ministry leaders um, as I worked at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. One is it's a challenge, especially with some of our younger teachers, to help them avoid using Google and Pinterest as a shortcut for their preparation. I don't know how many times, and, and let me tell you, first off, I'm, I do love Pinterest. One lady got really upset at me a couple <laughs> weeks ago when I mentioned this. Um, she goes, but some of my best stuff's off Pinterest. I said, I love Pinterest. Uh, we can come up with some great creative ideas. I said, but the problem is when this constitutes either our entire preparation or the majority of our preparation is when we're, we're not focusing on the curriculum that the church gave us. We're not focusing as much on the scripture, but what looks cute, what's the easy thing to do to download, from Pinterest and so that would be uh, one of my challenges is um, that I tell churches is that we need to help our younger leaders especially to realize that that is not a substitute for our spiritual model preparation you know uh, that, that some are spending the majority of their time there also that thinking there's an easy silver bullet for teaching kids I don't know how many times I've had churches call me at the mission board and they didn't use those words silver bullet but that's what they want Maria, what's the thing that I need to be doing on Wednesday night with my kids? What's the thing that I need to be doing? You know, what's the curriculum that's going to be the silver bullet um, for that? And when, when you've taught kids for a long time, you know, there's certainly curriculum and kids' ministry programs that are much better than others that are much more solid and that are great tools to use. But again, they're, they're not a silver bullet, you know. And so helping our, our churches realize that. Sometimes I've had leaders go, well, I just go look for the free stuff. That's what I download. They don't worry about theology. They don't worry about if it's age appropriate. They're looking for whatever's free. And if it fits that category and looks cute, that's what they're using um, to teach their kids at church. Um, and, then I'll, and, and then this is one that I hear over and over, just the busy lives, the very full life that so many of our teachers, our families have. Is, and so that intentionality term for me, the older and older I get, we're, we all have so much that we're juggling in our place. It may change at different life seasons, but unless we're truly intentional, a lot of these things that we have good intentions about, it doesn't happen. So I think when, when we think about our kids at church, that they're only there with us maybe twice a month, um, and that only about 10% of our families have a biblical worldview, um, a huge task and responsibility, and so I don't want us to be babysitting our kids at church. I want us to be making the most of every opportunity we have. So we're going to be looking at these three areas right here 
uh, spiritual um, preparation, Bible study preparation, and teaching and activity preparation. Uh, and we're going to go in depth on a lot of these subjects. We've just kind of gone ahead and talked about those three areas. So let's go ahead and talk about our intentional and spiritual preparation, our intentional spiritual preparation. So we've got a couple of teams over here. So Kay, I'm going to let you come over here and join Connie on her team, if you will, as you're playing some of our sound effect music over here um, to get us in the mood. And then Keith and Dana, y'all will be on a team together. So if you remember how Family Feud is played, um, I even had some folks help me brush up on the rules, you know, so these will be the top answers of the experts that I surveyed and researched, you know, so on spiritual preparation. Know that in interest of time, I'm just going to go ahead and, and tell y'all that sometimes categories are combined because one of the categories I wound up having like 10 or 20 things and I'm like, okay, we can't go that long. <laughs> yeah, so if you get close to guessing it, we'll get, but if you guess one of these and we flip it over, the other team has the opportunity to see if they can get one that's higher on the list. You get to decide for your team if you're going to play or pass. And then if the other team gets three um, X's before they finish their category, then you have the time to come back and, and see if you can, can guess one of the remaining ones. Um, so we're going to have a little fun. We're going to use a buzzer system up here. So Kay's going to cue our family feud music over here to get us in the mood. So anyway, so one of y'all come up here and take this side of the buzzer for this round. And then Kay, I may let you take the first round, if you will. <laughs> no, I'm going to let y'all practice. I don't know why this system has that many. I'm like, okay, I'm crowded if you have four kids up there at one time. Anyway, each of you practice to see what it sounds like. All right, so Kay mashed hers first, and it locked you okay. out. Okay. So, so I'm reset. Okay. So now you practice yours, okay? Yeah. It would lock Kay out if she was trying. So it times it so <laughs> that whoever split second gets it first gets the advantage there. All right. So with our spiritual preparation, and I know that this is hard for us, some of the conference um, attendees, we have trouble um, separating spiritual preparation and Bible study preparation. Some of it's so close together and goes. So just realize if you get an X here, it might show up in the Bible study column <laughs> next up. So of the experts, they were surveyed. And what were some of the top tips or top things that we need to be doing with spiritual preparation? Okay. Go ahead. Prayer. Prayer. All right. Let me see which one right here. This is not necessarily in the spiritual significance order that they are. This is just kind of right. how they work for the game. So prayer is definitely one of our things. Okay. Kay, do you want to try for your team to see if you get one of the other ones over here? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's just go with um, like attending attending a class yourself, like attending Sunday school. Okay, maybe. <laughs> okay, do y'all want to play your pass? Oh no, I know it's pretty, pretty tough. tough. <laughs> Prayer was easy. That was what I was going to say. <laughs> But if we don't, we've got to come up with close enough. <laughs> it might be better to, okay, go ahead. Yeah, to pass. We're going to play. We're going to play. We're going to play. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. okay. So we got okay. okay. All right. And y'all got, got three things. So think really through that that spiritual preparation. Think more individual spiritual preparation, maybe. 
Okay. I'm giving you a few little clues. Okay, so what do y'all think since y'all are going to play on this one? Being still, yeah. you've got to be still to have that time before him, that quiet time. Okay, what else? Dark. We're going to let them go first. Y'all going to say your response for that right now. Some of that's over here, but I kind of think I hear what you're saying. And this is very related. Be intentional. Te- you know, stay in his word, being intentional, um, teaching from the overflow. Okay? And one more. And again, some of these are interconnected, but yet they've got, um, they've got different components to it. So I don't lump them all together. Okay, so so you want to go over there and let them see if they can. You need to start on Monday to pay on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that way you are spiritually prepared to teach the Yeah, that, that's kind of where we're going with some of this yeah. up here. So, but, but, but you're thinking in that vein. So this that one is a little well. hard, but we all know it um, right here is this not leaning on our own understanding. So it kind of flows with prayer, but yet I think it, it, it is because we don't pull it apart and dissect it. We tend to think of it all kind of as a group. And, and we know all these things. Yeah, well, I start to, but for you, I thought that would be a little too much of a, of a, of a clue right there. Uh, the be intentional and in teaching from the overflow. Exactly what Connie said. If we're not starting at the beginning of the week, our lesson and all, then we can't be as an intentional. We can't allow God to work in our lives, you know, through the scripture and so forth that we're studying for the text of that lesson. And we're getting up on Sunday morning, but we've not allowed God to, to teach in our hearts this week on that scripture passage from our good friend, Bill Emiot, that has been at Lifeway for a while now is at, at First Baptist Houston. He said, I've often said that God wants to speak to the kids in our class from the overflow of what he's teaching them in our hearts. Spiritual and biblical preparation allows God to use your comings and goings to bring the biblical text you're teaching to life. No prep equals no opportunity for God to teach you. You teach better when you've prepared the biblical content and taken the time to pray and meditate on the passage you're teaching. Then you're teaching from the overflow. 
And when I read that, that just kind of hit me. We know elements of that, but being that intentional to really, to really think, we know it's a good idea to prep our lesson earlier in the week, but really think strategically where if we're prepping from the beginning of the week, then as we go about and things and goings that God can teach us and lay things on our heart, there's that much more of an opportunity for God to do that. Um, be still. And I think this goes over here to our very busy lifestyle that life is full. We as a generation, we don't we don't sit still very well. We may think we do, but we really don't. We've got a lot that's going on. We've constantly got maybe a computer or a phone. We've got, you know, so many things going on. We're in constant contact, knowing what's happening. Um, our jobs, our lives, our commutes. I mean, you know, we could just add things to that list. So this is something personally that God's been dealing with me um, in 2019. Um, a verse that we've heard many, many times over, especially that portion of the verse, be still and know that I am God. And we know that, but actually being still. And I've got a, a, a quote that I came across that starts out with the first part of that verse, be still and know that I am God. And I, and I have to go back and remind myself, that little picture at home, and it said the world will wait. It adds that tagline, the world will wait. Because we constantly think, okay, our kids need something, our grandkids, our spouse does, our boss does, you know, we can fill in the blank. The world can wait while we have to take time to be still before God and our personal um, spiritual preparation and our personal quiet times during the week. And, and, and I think that that really is a huge challenge for us. You may have heard um, the contemporary Christian song Breathe by Johnny Diaz. I thought this really hits a lot of us, what our lives look like. The alarm clock screaming bare heat, feet hit the floor. It's off to the races, everybody out the door. I'm feeling like I'm falling behind already in the morning. You know, it's a crazy life. 90 miles an hour going fast as I can, trying to push a little harder, trying to get the upper hand. So much to do and so little time. It's a crazy life. It's ready, set, go, and it's another wild day. And when the stress is on the rise of my heart, I feel you say, just breathe. Come and sit at my feet and be just me. You know, and... And we've lost some of that art of just sitting at Jesus' feet, being still, and just being. And I think it's a challenge more now than it's ever been um, for us to do that. And so th this has kind of been one of my spiritual challenges this year is, is to take those moments and realize, okay, I've got this long to-do list and these things that I need to get on, and they're all good things. They're ministry things. They're family things. But... The best thing is to be sitting at his feet and being intentional and taking that time to do that um, and not hurrying through that that part of my day. And then, you know, we all know this, not to lean on our own understanding. But sometimes in our preparation, you know, like I heard my teacher says, oh, well, I make sure I go over the Bible stories that I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we need to be going over all the Bible stories, even if we've heard it before, you know, because we don't need to be leaning on our own understanding. And the longer we've taught, I think that's the bigger challenge sometimes. Because of our years of experience, you know, we, we're like, okay, we know this about teaching. We, we, we know that Bible story. And we'll, and we'll tend to lean on our own understanding. And, of course, uh, Proverbs 35 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Um, just allowing God to do that, at, not only in our personal lives, but as we're personally preparing spiritually for the kids that we're teaching each week. And then we, we've talked about the importance of prayer. 
And, you know, we all know that we need to pray. But we can sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes kind of get into a habit or a routine, maybe even some might call it a rut, and not thinking as intentionally, strategically with prayer. I came across this as I was preparing for this conference, one of LifeWay's blog articles um, by Jeremy Carroll. He's in the LifeWay Kids area. And I loved how he broke it down. Not that we don't know these things, but just the intentionality that he had. He said each week, preparing my own heart to receive God's word. So looking over that text, preparing my heart. And that I would rightly understand and handle God's word. That I would be able to prepare and plan well and be able to clearly communicate the truth from God's word. And that the Holy Spirit would prepare the hearts of the children who will be in my group this week to be ready to hear or receive God's word that this session's biblical truth would take deep root in each child's heart and that I would be sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit for when to follow my plan, because you know I spent a lot of time preparing this lesson, <laughs> and when to adjust our course if needed. Because sometimes we get in that class and something's going on in a child's life and they ask a question and God's got another plan for us once we got in that, that class, um, perhaps by a question that's asked. So I loved how he was very intentional in talking about some of the different ways that not to be legalistic, but I think that we could just be more intentional in how we pray for our kids. All right, now our intentional Bible study preparation. Again, these are very linked together. So we're going to play another round. So if y'all will come on up here. And... Okay, go ahead and test out your buzzers. All right, so now how it works, so let me reset it where you can test your buzzer. All right, so y'all are good to go. The top answers from our experts were researched, and as we talk about Bible study preparation, what were their top five responses? All right, what was um, one of them? Prepare yourself to uh, accept the Word, to receive the Word in you. Okay, that's more over here as we're preparing spiritually to receive the word and so forth. But we're, you know, they're so connected. It's kind of hard. Okay, would would you like to? Read the actual scripture. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Read the text <laughs> from the Bible. Yes. We're going to play. <laughs> You're going to play on this round. Okay. So, you know, and, and, and that is real important, of course. Um, you know, you don't want to be like, y'all don't have teachers at y'all's church like this, I'm sure, but I was doing a kid's ministry um, interim one time several years back at a church, and I had a teacher slide in on Sunday morning after the 8.30 services started, and I was down the kid's area. She goes, do you have an extra copy of the book? I wanted to grab it before I went upstairs to the worship service where I could go over my lesson for today. Mm -hmm. And she was not the substitute teacher. She was the regular teacher. And my heart just, you know, because um, she wasn't taking time really, you know, to prepare it all, reading the scripture at all. She just wanted to figure out what activity she was going to do, you know. And so y'all probably don't have any teachers at your church like oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So anyway, so as we think about Bible study, how can we help more intentionally do our Bible study preparation? So team, y'all going to play or pass? Okay, so what would y'all say? I know. It's kind of, yeah. yeah. Um, I would say like knowing your like you have to read the scriptures and you've got to know your Bible story, what however the lesson is that you've got to be familiar and know and not just mm -hmm. like reading it straight from the book. You've got to be able to 
to it from your home and relay in those thoughts. And, and, and this is the tough part. So, yeah, I'm going to tell you it's going to be on the next category. I'm not going to do like you one. said. <laughs> so keep that one for your next one. Check out commentaries on what other people have said about that text. Yes. Yes, right here. So as you're studying the scripture, as you're reading it from your favorite translation, maybe even more than one translation, also use a commentary, Bible dictionary, other Bible study resources, okay? So you kind of see how it's going a little bit. All right, what's another one? So you only have one egg, so you've got two more. One of them's really obvious, and so I'm sure y'all will probably think about it. Look at a video that illustrates this. Okay. All right. Good one. Use LifeWay's weekly teaching video overview of the scriptures. Don't know if you're aware of that with Bible Studies for Life, Explore the Bible, and the Gospel Project. They all have teaching video overviews for the teacher that they go over the biblical content, usually a seven to 10 minute video. So the different editors of that resource will talk to you each week, talking about the biblical content. So that's just a good, quick overview this easy. They have that up there every single week for you to have to overview um, your Sunday school lesson if, um, if you're using LifeWay material for that. So very good, all right, two more. Actually, read the four you read, but there's three. Yes. I, oh, sorry. Don't get to say that. Well, I was thinking to ask you to pray or be in there, but that was what I was thinking. I was like, yeah. I want him to read the, the the leader Bible study and the leader um, leader guide, you know, because uh, that's one thing I do like about LifeWay's material. It's not all curriculum has that, but they do give us some good Bible study, you know. Over, you know, it's not a commentary, you know, with the kids ministry, but it does give us some background. It does give us. Um, a little bit of commentary on that Bible story and some helps with that. And then, of course, prayer as we're going through that Bible study. You know, again, we did it in spiritual, but then praying through that scripture, praying for that that understanding. Um, and so we'll, I think I put them back in the wrong order, but anyway. Um, so we've already talked about reading the text from the Bible, prayer, and read the leader Bible, the leader Bible study and the actual leader guide. We're using the commentary, the Bible dictionary, the other Bible study resources there, and then, of course, LifeWay's weekly teaching video overview of the scriptures. And um, Bill, I found this, and I, he said, this is what I do the weeks that I'm doing a really good job of preparing for my lesson. I loved how he broke it down and said, this takes about 10 minutes every day. He said, day one, read the text from your Bible. Take out your favorite Bible and read the text. Even if you know the account, read it again. God wants to speak to us fresh every time that we read his word. Number or Day two, read the leader Bible study, the leader guide. Day three, pull out a different translation. Maybe it's not our favorite one, but it's a different one. It gives us a little different um, perspective with a different scripture um, paraphrase or translation. 
day four, choose a favorite commentary to read and consider. You know, that's so easy today because we have so many that are online now. You know, I remember my, my mom and dad, they taught senior adult Sunday school class at our church all my life until they became senior adults. You know, so they taught it that many years. And dad would always pull out his collection of expositors Bibles, you know, and he would pull those out, you know, as he was going through those commentaries, preparing for his lesson. But now we can get them as free resources online with commentaries. And then day five, read and review the Bible account as it will be presented in the session. Go back to your curriculum, read, review, even practice how you present the Bible account to your kids and teach kids from the overflow. So I thought that was um, really So intentional teaching and activity preparation. And I hate to say it, but this is where if our teachers prepare, this is the main column that a lot of them spend their time in or that they're going to do at all if some of them do it for whatever the art activity is, whatever the craft activity is, they spend a lot of their time here. And not that it's not important, but it does not need to be the only type of preparation they're doing. So our next round up here, so hey, I guess that's you up here this time, so I'll take that over. <laughs> All right, since y'all have already done the buzzers, y'all know how, how that goes. All right, so this is the category that I wound up having like 2010, 20 things. So they are comboed in um, with it, but so I just want to give that clarification because there's a lot of components of preparation to this. So our experts were surveyed, and what are some of the top things that we can do for teaching and activity <coughs> preparation? All right. All right. So like I said while I go, the, uh, knowing your lesson. Okay. Reading it, knowing it top of your head, not okay. Yeah, it. that's right. Just knowing it. Um, ahead of time and so forth, having gone through it. Let me see. Da, 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 da. All right, so that would be. Yes, plan the session. Tell the Bible story, early arrival activities, class flow. So just really knowing what you're doing. So you saw that that combined right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so just kind of knowing what, what your class time is going to look like. All right. Make a supply list and Bible supplies. Oh, make a supply list and so forth. Um, so that would be right here. Okay, so you're preparing your teaching activities, you're gathering those supplies ahead of time. So do y'all want to play or pass? <laughs> do we want to play or we want to pass? Okay. Hey, they got it. We didn't. <laughs> but y'all got, no, got, got the higher one. Yeah, yeah. So y'all got the higher one. <laughs> all right. So, um, so y'all decided y'all gonna try to play? We'll try. Okay. All right. What are some of the things with teach our teaching and activity preparation? Can they repeat? Can they repeat? Are they gonna repeat like the like the prayer? Mm -hmm. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, sorry. She said there's too many in that category. No, that's <laughs> right. There are too many. I just had to go. Kind of got to. Kind of got to. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about no, you're that. Yeah. Well. Oh. Make sure that what the activity is is going to show us what the words are. That's what I do. Who's going to access that? I mean, sometimes it doesn't. Like crap on another day, it's too much talk. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of combined in with that, just, you know, 
preparing those activities and planning that session, being very intentional with that. You know, and, and that is the thing that you're right. Some of our teachers that are less experienced when they're going over there to Google or Pinterest, they're just looking for that cute craft to do at church that may, and it may have nothing at all to do with the Bible story that you have. It's cute, but it doesn't have anything to do with the Bible story, you know. Um, sometimes it's just a seasonal craft, maybe. They went, oh, that's seasonal. It's fall. Let's just pull a fall craft. But it has nothing at all, not Bible verse, not anything to do with the lesson, you know. Um, so you're exactly right that that's important. But we, we, because we had so many, that would be combined in with that. Don't make the activity the main thing. Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree. It would probably be combined in with those parts too, and I okay. think that's hard. <laughs> um, because, and you're exactly right, um, because some of our teachers, that's where they're focusing, is just on that activity um, for the class, and they're making that the main focus, and that is very important. It is going to be combined in with those two. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about um, this is part of that too. It's just preparing. <laughs> well, she said that didn't repeat. Yeah. It, 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 so. <laughs> what about just preparation of your space? Uh, you know, make, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Making sure the classroom is prepared for, and that may be prepared to come Don't yeah. have the room so full of stuff. That is, that is, that is very important. Unfortunately, it's still kind of compared in with that just because I had to combo in. So that's our three. So do y'all want to try one of the preparation or teaching? I do. Um, just whatever the lesson suggests you do, do it. As a teacher's guide, mm -hmm. it tells you this is what we suggest. Okay. Stay on that focus. Okay. Well, this is, I think, close enough with what you said right here is using an outline, knowing how to exactly stay on, using an outline for cue cards. Okay, then this one up here, and you're going to go, yeah, is that part of preparation? Well, it is. Knowing the kids that we teach, their generation, their age group characteristics, their learning styles and personalities. So that might not be a weekly preparation, but that's something that we need to know, teaching the age groups that we teach. And then of course, y'all know all this, y'all know this one, arriving to class on time, you know? Yeah. Because if you don't arrive, um, you know, not just on time, but early, if you don't arrive early, the kids are gonna get there before you and they're gonna come up with their own plan in the classroom. Yeah. You know, um, and it's not gonna be your plan uh, for them. So this is one important that we don't think about on a weekly basis, what we're doing to prepare to teach our kids at church, but knowing the kids, their generation, their age group, characteristics, learning styles, and personalities. And that's a lot, and we could do a whole conference on each of those topics. Um, so you see how I had to combine some, but how important it is, because think about this generation of kids, um, it, they've never known not to ask Siri, not to Google it, and not to use YouTube as a solution. I mean, they're they're digital natives. You know, we've heard that term's been around for a while. You so, so, some of them don't. But instead of going to an encyclopedia, instead of going to do something, they look up the answers by Googling it, or they ask Siri, or, or, or ask whatever the other one. YouTube. No, no, no what? 
Oh, oh, oh like legs. Legs. yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Because wow. like my son goes, he was having the tires. He came out and had his bow tie tied for the prom, and I said something. He goes, uh, you know, and he had the the tie tied. I said, oh, well, okay. you just got it. He goes, Mom, I just watched YouTube video. I just watched YouTube video. You yeah. know, and, and I'll ask something. He goes, well, Mom, you know, you can Google it. And I said, I know, but that's not always. And I use Google, and okay. I do things like that. But my brain doesn't automatically go there all the time as a default, you know. But for this generation, if they need it's to big, find out, you know, big. yeah, like, like really my dad used to always, and I never could figure out what he's saying. He'd get, yeah, I'd go, how do you spell this word? You know, when I was growing up, he could go look it up in the dictionary. I'm thinking, how do you spell it? You know, how am I supposed to look it up in the dictionary? I don't know how to spell it alphabetically, you know, yeah. to look it up. You know, now what kids do? They just ask Siri. They can just Google it, you know, but but that's where their mind automatically goes. So knowing that, that that's how their minds function, then, you know, that impacts how we teach them. You know, knowing these characteristics. Um, the kids, even that we teach in, in kids' ministry, they are considered Gen Z. You know, we, we think about our older students being Gen Z, but actually, according to Pew Research in 2019, Gen Z are ages 7 to 22. And you can look at different researchers and statisticians, and sometimes the years will vary a year or two, just depending on who you're talking to um, and which research you're looking at. But thinking about our kids have these characteristics of Gen Z, our seven-year-olds that, that we're teaching um, on a weekly basis. So I've, I, um, Tim Elmore has done... Um, he writes about Gen Z a good bit. So I was reading some of his articles and so forth. And I pulled out because, of course, some of the things don't always apply to, to us teaching children that apply to students. But I pulled out these um, these things that I thought these principles really did apply to us in kids' ministry. Be faster at feedback. Our twins and students are used to it with online games and applications. Now, I'm not up here to debate should they be playing online games and so forth because, yes, they spend too much time. So many of them do. But the reality is, whether we like it or not, they are. The kids that come into our class, they've been playing the online games, some more than others. They're used to those quick rewards that they see, you know, pop up in the online games and, and, different, and, and different applications. So they're used to that feedback. So when we're asking them to do different activities in classrooms, sometimes maybe we need to rethink and maybe we need to give a little faster feedback on how they're doing. Um, maybe some kind of, you know, whether it's a class, if you're playing a game, you know, a little faster reward as they're playing like a game like this. Um, being flexible, and we all know we need to be flexible, but can we flex our methods of delivery or communication to current news or needs that pop up? You know, what's some current things in the news? Um, that, that has kind of been in the big in the news that kids might be, be asking about. The recent shootings, you know? And so sometimes we may, and, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of staying on our curriculum and so forth that we use at church because there's a scope and sequence, you know? We don't, everybody doing their own thing. But sometimes we do have to be flexible. Maybe what's happening in our church, what's happening in our community. There's been something that the kids are just talking about. And, and, and even if we don't focus our whole lesson on that, maybe we've got to be willing to pull in an illustration. Maybe we've got to be willing to spend a little bit of before at the end of class talking about it because it's on the kids' minds, you know, especially with our milder and older um, children and with our tweens. Break up the class into smaller segments. And you say, what do you mean by this? Kids' attention span. What's the old rule that's been around for a long time as far as attention spans for kids? Like a minute 
do what the a minute parade. the minute parade. You know, basically, if you got a seven year old, they give you seven minutes. You know, before they tune you out. I, I don't even think it's that much. <laughs> I, 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 I'm an actual school teacher too, and I yes. don't even think it's that much. Yeah. So I found it real interesting um, that they use this adult illustration, and I thought, okay, if the older end of Gen Z needed this, what does this mean for our kids in our classroom? Um, Tim Elmore told the story. He said the former Rams coach Jeff Fisher learned rapidly that splitting up his two-hour meetings for his team, you know, into four 30-minute meetings. So we're thinking, you know, these guys are playing football, you know, but they need it broken down into 30-minute segments. He said it resulted in more engaged players. He got more engaged attendees when he allowed them to get a social media fix every half hour. Now, I'm like, okay, that's not a reason in my book, you know, to break it up into smaller segments. Um, but it made me start thinking, okay, if adults need it for whether I approve of the reason or not, you know, um, what about the kids in our classrooms? Do we need to be breaking up and changing up the types of teaching activities we want, you know, every few minutes, how we do that, you know, whether we've got a hands-on activity, we're playing a game, we're telling the Bible story, we're being creative and engaging how we're telling the Bible story. I think we just kind of think through that. And that's one thing that I do love that, that Lifeway Curriculum gives us a lot of great ideas for doing that to, to change up and to do some of those different things that we can, can divide them into smaller segments. But sometimes maybe we come to a, a learning activity that we really like and spend more time on it. <laughs> and we don't always think about the kids and how we really do need to kind of keep the pace going in our classes. Finding a way to incorporate things digitally. Um, as we mentioned, they're, they're the generation with Google and Siri. Now I'm a big proponent of not defaulting and using only technology in the classroom. Um, that they need a lot of hands-on, um, you know, hands-on creativity, activity. But again, this is the language they speak. They are a digital generation. I don't think we can go to the opposite extreme and say we do no technology in the classroom. I think we've got to, to find that balance with our kids today. I think there's benefits to not having technology all the time, but I think there's benefits for us using technology some. Um, we were yesterday, um, when we played this, did the 66 Bible skills, we played uh, Kahoot, which a lot of teachers used to review things. So we had a fun Bible book game playing Kahoot and folks downloaded apps and we had a, a team playoff um, in, in which one team kind of dogged the other team. They were the quick responders, um, but they had fun. You know, the adults did. So just looking for ways that we can age appropriately and with the lesson we're doing, don't just do technology for technology's sake, but if it can support the lesson and do some things digitally with the kids, I think that that can be a positive. Um, empower them to create. The more we can empower them to mix and match ideas and then create um, ideas that represent them, the sooner that they'll engage in the project. So letting them feel kind of some creativity, some ownership. Um, know, and, and that goes back to knowing our kids that we talked about, knowing the generation of kids that we teach. Um, the other night, I was teaching the all-boys class at our church. Um, our church was switching over to using Team Kid on Wednesday night with our kids. And the teaching activity for the lesson that I was teaching that night, the warm-up activity, called for clay for us to create. Um, and so I thought, well, I'm not going to do Play-Doh because they'll think that's a little kitty. Clay, and I'm like, no, I've got all-boys in my class. So um, it was a story of creation, and we were kind of drawing the parallel about you know, how God told Adam and Eve not to eat the fruit of the tree. Well, um, that their instructions were not to use the red clay to create. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm still going to lose these boys. So I pulled the Legos out. 
and I just put piles of Legos, you know, like three piles of Legos around the room. I said, you get to create a house, you know, however you want to create a house, but you can't use any of the red Legos to create the house. You know, so it was the same principle, but the boys really got into it because they got to build. And they said, why can't we use the red Legos? I said, those were the, ga- you know, those were the game instructions. We can't use the red Legos are so fun to use, you know. <laughs> it was so- but they became, and I'm telling you, that overactive, it was boy plus all boy plus plus with this group of boys that's just the way it is on wednesday nights um they are extremely full of energy they were more engaged you know sitting there doing that because i changed out legos it's the same teaching principle but you know it was just kind of i knew that that would kind of engage them and meet their need more where they were and so forth so i just kind of gave them a little more power to create, I figured they probably wouldn't do a lot with the clay, knowing some of their personalities and so forth. So we just traded out and did that one instead, and and they had a great time. And I think we just got to think about that, you know, sometimes with the kids that we teach. Um, We talked about preparing the teaching activities, our gathering our supplies ahead of time. Mark Jones with Mr. Mark's Classroom, he said, I I was listening to one of his teacher blogs and uh, teaching videos on preparation. He said he likes to tell his teachers to go through and prepare and to look over their lessons for a month at a time. And and not deep preparation, but just scan it to see, okay, this month, what kinds of supplies, what kinds of teaching activities am I gonna am I gonna do it? You know, you can spend like two minutes, you know, not not a lot, but he said being able to look over it for the whole month, then it lets me be do more of those creative activities because I go, oh, I need that supply, and we don't have that at our church. I don't have that at my home. And so I'm able to go in and have a better feel for that. So I think some of us think, okay, if we read it by Wednesday night or Thursday, we're doing a really good job looking at those teaching activities and preparation. So gathering those supplies ahead of time. Um, using an outline and our cue cards. Um, have any do any of y'all use that in teaching Sunday school or, or anything? Um, a lot of teachers that I have in my kids' area, they'll, they'll prepare, but they have the book and have their notes made all over the pages, but they're flipping back and forth, you know, with that. And so I had a, um, several years ago, had a teacher, um, I was in a conference, and she said, you know, especially with teaching preschoolers, but I've discovered it didn't matter with children either. She said, I'll just do an outline on the board, on the dry erase board. She goes, half the time, we'll pay attention to what's written on the board anyway, <laughs> you know. Um, and she says, I just have that broken down. Then I'm not flipping around as I'm out in, you know, in the class and we're doing different teaching activities. I can just let my eyes look at there quickly, see what my next teaching activity I'm supposed to transition into is. And she said, and I've really not lost my engagement with the kids because I'm not turning my back, start flipping. Oh, yeah, that's two pages over that teaching activity. And she says, I'll write it up on the board. Um, Mark Jones that I mentioned as I was looking at his, he said he takes a half a piece of paper and puts it in his Bible. You know, so as he's telling the Bible story, he said, if I wanted to write down a few keywords, especially with teaching preschoolers, where you may not be reading the text directly, but telling in your own words the Bible story, he said, I can follow a lot easier with my finger, but I'm sitting here engaging the kids while I'm doing that. Uh, But it can be great for your um, list of activities. Kids are used to, especially our tweens and so forth, all these game shows and reality shows they see on TV, they're all the time using cue cards. And so I've done that sometimes with teaching our kids. So I don't have the book, but I got got my cue cards. So I may be using that as I'm teaching um, with them also. Again, it just helps us be a little more engaged instead of turning our back, flipping to that page. Because usually some of these lessons are four or five pages in our teacher's book and just kind of helping us stay on task and keep the kids engaged during that time. 
And then we talked about um, planning the session, telling the Bible story, the early arrival activities, the class flow, how important it is to know exactly what we're doing each week. And as we tell the Bible story, I thought, wow, I don't, you know, I, I couldn't say that I really do this all the time. Um, one of the Jeremy Carroll, that's why he says, practice, 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 tell your dog the Bible story, tell your, you know, say it in the car going down the road for the week, you know, tell your kids. He said, anybody's around. He said, so the first time that you're telling the kids the Bible story, even if it's very familiar, it's not when you walk in on Sunday morning. And I thought, okay, I've done spiritual preparation Bible study, but to think, do I go and practice the Bible story to that, you know, that level? He said, and it comes out so much more naturally and engaging with the kids. And I thought, okay, you know, just, just getting up in front of the mirror, practicing it, riding down the road, practicing what we're going to say. So I thought that was a, a neat preparation tip. And then not to forget those early arrival activities, um, because we can tend to want to just wait until we've got, you know, of the kids in the classroom because we don't want them to miss anything. But then, I don't know about y'all, but we, we've got kids that will get early to our classes. Maybe there's other teachers' kids, staff kids, and they're, they're a good five, ten minutes before anybody else is. So that's a great time maybe to have a Bible skill game where they're working on the memory verse that you're working on for that month and other types of things. So it may be the pre-early arrival activity, um, but to constantly have a teaching activity from the moment the kids come in the classroom that they can begin to become engaged in what they'll be learning about that day. And then just knowing how the class flow goes, you know, knowing which activities, the Bible story time, how you're going to transition from thing to thing. Uh, and then we talked about arriving at the class early. Um, just getting to class early, how important that is to be there when that first child walks in and to greet them and have a, a teaching activity for them. And then these were just some of the, the blog articles. And if you're interested, in, I'll be glad to email those to you. Um, but wanting to look at what some of your top tips were and how you um, what you would offer to prepare. And um, one person says focus on the child. Knowing God is number one, how important that is. Um, that, that we don't lose sight no matter what our Bible story is for the day, no matter what our memory verse is um, for the lesson, that we have that big picture goal of focusing on the child, helping them grow in their relationship to Christ, introducing them to Christ. Because kids will ask you these questions at the craziest times, you know, um, because it's on their mind that they'll ask you those. So keeping that in mind. Um, start early preparing and doing a little each day. Uh, very good advice. Oh, and having patience. Okay, maybe this is having patience with ourselves, having patience with the kids, um, and so forth. So those are so, some great tips that, that y'all would, would offer. And like I said, uh, just from y'all's feedback, y'all knew a lot of this already up ahead. But I think sometimes we can be reminded just to be a little more intentional in how we do that each week with the kids that we prepare and teach. Um, any questions any of you have? Any feedback? Any more of your tips that you have? Uh, I know in one class I went to uh, in, in a Sunday school workshop that said, whenever you're telling a Bible story, I always have the Bible yes. the even starting in the nursery. Yes. Where they see the, where the Bible, where the story comes from. That's right. They don't have your teaching for them. That's right. right. Have your Bible open. But I don't know do I think. Well, they know that it's a real story that really happened that it came from God's way. We've got a lot of younger families in our church, and, and uh, I'm just looking at their lives. They have their kids involved and everything. They're just, and so 
Sunday nights is almost out of the question. Even Wednesday nights getting worse out of the question. And well, the day, I mean, last fall, we decided to have a parenting class and we decided to do it on Friday night and feed the whole family supper. We had 35 adults show up there. Friday night, there's nothing the next day. Wow. Friday night is the night to do things. Who would have ever thought Friday night? And now you do that in the fall or the winter? In the fall, we do six weeks. Wow, so even during the football Georgia season. and football season, y'all got 35. That is and we're out by seven. Okay, so out before the football game. And we have to. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> so the thing is, we feed them. You get a free meal. Then I take the kids over to the children's building and I entertain them, and then we've got our education guy, he teaches. Uh, and I thought Friday, who would have thought Friday night would have been a great night? Because Sunday, Wednesday night is now the new Sunday morning. Because people don't get up. And, and some of our churches in the area are exactly right. Wednesday night's the best attendance. Who would have thought that? Yeah, in some of our churches. Yeah, we, 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 we have in our my kids' area, we have more attendance than Wednesday night. Our Wednesday night is because We feed them something from five to six. You have to feed them. You do. Parents will drop them off at five and we fed them and they pick them back up at 8.30. Mm -hmm. they, they have three and a half hours. I love this. Parents mm -hmm. say that. You, know. mm -hmm. you got to almost, this yeah. new family is now that you've got to work around their crazy schedules. We've got to think creatively and no matter how we feel, like it should be this way. This should be more priority. Yeah, we just have. We just. We just yeah. kind, of, kind of got to come to the reality. Yeah. Not that we necessarily agree with this, but this is the reality of where we're living. The people group is today's society. This yeah. is today's society, and, and we can stand over here and say, but it shouldn't be this way. It should be that we 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 lost the discussion on that. So this is where they are. So are we going to meet them where they are? Or are we going to be creative in how we do ministry? Um, so like the kids that I see twice a month, mm -hmm. I'll see them on Wednesday night. I won't see them on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And Sunday yeah. night, we still have church like we were a few dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we only have the deacon's kids on Sunday mm -hmm. night. Sunday yeah. night is just a support group. Mm -hmm. But Wednesday yeah. night is where we have the unsaved that show up. Mm -hmm. Wow. Night. We have a good attendance on Sunday night. We still do Sunday night services as well. Yeah, we're still up Still yeah, in our temple, we leave a lot of the churches don't do us. Sure, but you don't have any business. That's usually your yeah. core. Yeah, kids. maybe, <laughs> maybe in some of our it, churches. It's our regular church. The ones that are, when I say regular, like that are there every week. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones we have on Sunday nights. It's not your business. We'll have visitors on Sunday. It's just mm -hmm. your hardcore regular all the time. Well, we get four visitors on Wednesday night and Sunday morning, which is big swing. Then years ago it, it, it is you know I, I think it's a lot of different dynamics i think one is 
people don't want to give up that weekend time. You know, something we started here several years ago in the metro area is that, okay, that travels almost all the week. Sunday nights are our only family time, you know, and so we don't want to give up that. Even regular church families were saying that. This is yeah. the time because dad's gone Monday through Friday. You know, now you put all you want on Wednesday night and mom and the kids will show, show up. up. Yeah. But don't ask me to be there on Sunday night because I'm not going to be most of the time. Um, and so that that was an, an interesting dynamic. I think also because of the fact that they're already out, they've had school, like you said, we give that meal right there, take care of that need right there. That makes it easier um, for them to come back there during the week, be there on Wednesday night. Um, and I think so many other activities are going on during the weekend, even though we've got them going on all week long, we know. And so I never do anything on Saturday to just forget it. Oh, I know. I mean, Saturday used to, like today, used to be prime training time. And when churches call me, unless they just beg for Saturday, I go, hmm. You know, if you want it on Saturday, but I'm telling you, more of your people going to stay after church and have lunch and stay for that training. Or they're going to come on Tuesday night if you give them supper and they train. The only thing but they're not done on Fridays that we have would be like a, um, we call it kids night at the creek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's kind of like a date night for the mm-hmm. parents. They sure. pull their kids off, we feed them. We do games and fun stuff with them. And that's why you have it, because mom and dad yeah. are going, I need a date night. You know, so that's driving it more right. than and spiritual reasons, unfortunately, at times. Right. And we have, you know, we'll throw down like a little Bible story. What about, we have good turnouts. Mm-hmm. And so, but you know, those are different, but being so intentional when you've got the kids on Friday night, being intentional when you've got mom and dad date night, yeah, you're helping mom and dad out. Yeah, the adults are in Bible study, but okay, if we're not going to have the kids on Sunday night or we're not going to have as much attendance on Sunday morning, and then this is our two times a month that we get the kids, you know, being super intentional when we have them, you know, and, and making the most of it. Um, but but I love thinking outside the box because that's what we've got to do today, Mr. in today's family. Very good feedback. All right. Well, thank y'all so much. Um, Enjoyed spending this afternoon with y'all.